Hello and welcome to the Helping Organisations Thrive podcast. This is your host, Julian Roberts. This podcast is to provide leaders with insights, discussions and robust strategies to help their companies thrive in these challenging times. We will be interviewing business leaders, owners and experts in the field of business resilience. Welcome to Helping Organizations Thrive. Uh, today, I have the great pleasure of, a, I'd say, a, a, a good friend of mine. I've got to know him over the last uh, couple of months uh, through LinkedIn. Uh, it is uh, Dave Bazanko. Welcome, Dave. Uh, hi, Julian. Nice to meet you, or nice nice to be here. <laughs> exactly, yes. No, it's, it's been good getting to know you, seeing your content on LinkedIn, uh, seeing what you're doing with resilience. Uh, obviously, I joined you on one of your lunch and learns that you do, I think, every Tuesday uh, on resilience. So. Uh, we are. We'll be talking about resilience today. But before we get into that, I just want to tell the audience a little bit about you. Uh, so you are a resilient coach. Uh, that's a surprise to everybody. Um, and you help emerging leaders become more resilient and engaged in their work. Uh, you're also a keynote speaker and uh, a, a TEDx speaker. And I know recently you've just launched your TEDx online, as opposed to you didn't go in person, as as we do. So you, I think you pursued that and it felt like you were being quite persistent and resilient and trying to make sure that happened and it did happen so that was great mm-hmm. and and you also which I'm sure will come into the equation a three-time Ironman finisher you haven't done any more since have you you've only done three is that right only done three I, that's just, that's <laughs> yeah <laughs> I, I have done three falls and currently training for my fourth uh, fun story and it, it relates to the, why I do and talk about resilience uh, but my son, who is 27, who's done a couple of sprint triathlons with me over the, the past, say, 10 years, um, very sporadically ha- just announced to me that he wanted to do his first Ironman and asked me to join him. So we're both currently um, in training mode for Ironman Canada 2023. So that's going to be super exciting. Brilliant. That sounds excellent. Excellent stuff. Um, so as I always ask everybody who comes on the show is uh, what do you love about what you do, Dave? Well, I think I just touched upon what I love, what I do. I love helping people. And I think, you know, when you get to the sort of, well, I don't want to say the end of your career, I almost feel like it's been a rebirth, but I've got 35 years of business experience under my belt, you know, and, and at this point, I think more about legacy than I do feel, I I think about building uh, enterprises. I think at the beginning of your career, it's all about what can I build? How much money can I make? And then you get to the end of your career and you start to think about the legacy that you're leaving. You start to think about what are they going to write on my tombstone? What are they going to say, you know, um, in my eulogy? And and I I had that epiphany when I had to deliver my father's eulogy a few years ago. And I thought, geez, what are they going to say about me? Will will, will anybody even show up? You know, I was so (laughs) thrilled that that my my father had a, a full church of people, um, and, and wait standing room only. And I thought, wow, like he made such an impact. Do I even know this many people, you know? And so it really made me stop and think. And, you know, I think as you get along in your career, legacy becomes really, really super important. And so what I love about my job is that the information that I'm leaving is really for, first and foremost, what I leave on social media is for my kids, because I've explained this many times to many different people. As you go through your life, um, your perspective changes. And I know that it's around 40 years old is the sweet spot where you've sort of lived long enough to uh, have certain experiences, but you're, you're not that old that you don't feel like you can't still change or make change. So I know that my kids are going to go through 
um, all these different perspectives in their lives. And I'm just documenting on LinkedIn really a, a trail of breadcrumbs for my kids, first and foremost, as a legacy piece. Now, I think this information is also really good for small businesses because I think um, everybody's in the sort of same boat. We, we all have challenges with health, wellness, happiness. And I, what the beautiful part about social media is, even though I'm doing this sort of specifically for my kids, I know that this can benefit so many other business owners, small business people, um, just regular everyday individuals. So if it resonates with you, uh, then fantastic. And if it doesn't resonate with you, this just isn't your time. <laughs> I really like that, leaving a, a legacy. And I think it's a, a very good way to have on life. And it's almost a sustainable view because it, it goes into the long term. It goes well beyond uh, after we die. So leaving a legacy or building a legacy uh, to, to leave, I think is a an honourable thing to do. Uh, and it's far better than just trying to build an empire and, and sort of financial wealth as such. So uh, I really like that. And that's a really valuable message uh, to almost start with, Dave. So that, that's great. Um, so this year has been a, a difficult year for many people. And I, and I would, I know uh, resilience has become probably the most probably Googled, I guess, thing people have asked about in terms of how to become more resilient. People have talked about resilience. I've talked about it a lot. You have. And and I, I think it's still here to stay. I think resilience has become more the forefront as we face this pandemic. But um, I think it's really valuable to, to be a resilient individual and ultimately a, a, a resilient organization because no matter what happens in life, we will always have an difficulties, challenges, things that will just knock us for six in that context. So I want to get your perspective, really. And before I go into that, is, is your, what are your lessons in the last 12 months based on your own personal journey, but also your interactions with small businesses of, of resilience, really? And what have you noticed differently? And what have you learned yourself that has taken that journey forward for yourself? Well, yeah, I think that's a really great question. And what, what, what really springs to mind to me is over the last 12 months, you're right, resilience uh, was the, the buzzword of 2020. And I seem to have gotten into a lot of conversations with people on social media, particularly LinkedIn, um, over the definition of what resilience is. I've always believed that resilience isn't just about surviving, it's about thriving. And that's always been my take and my perspective. But yet, there, the, the traditional dictionary definition of resilience is being like a rubber band and bouncing back. And, and my argument to that was always, well, but if you just bounce back to your original form, then you're not growing, you're not thriving, um, you're not developing yourself. And that, to me, isn't being resilient. Um, you know, I have a great story of when, when I was coaching uh, a crew of high school rowers I, I, my last year of coaching, I had a, a crew of uh, grade 11 girls and, um, you know, they were a chatty bunch and, uh, my, my stroke seat, which is the person who sits in front of the, the coxed four, uh, who leads their, the pace in the boat. She came up to me one day and she says, you know, Dave, my mom said, I don't have to do all the work that you tell me I have to do today. I just have to do my best. And I went, you know what? I love your mom because she didn't say, come out and be the same today. She said, come out and be your best, which means that implies that you're going to be 1% better. That means you're going to, you're going to talk 1% less. You're going to pull 1% more, <laughs> you know? And she looked at me and went, well, that's not what I meant. And I said, but that's what you said. 
And that's what your mother said. So <laughs> that, that's always been resilience to me is, is, you know, um, I, I, in my own journey for resilience, I had to, to discover a lot of things. And, and one of the things that I was chasing as an Ironman triathlete was happiness. I thought that if I did this wonderful, huge, exciting event, this challenge that when I crossed the finish line, I would discover happiness. And immediately within five seconds, I turned around and looked at the time and went 14 hours. My gosh, I can be faster than that. So I didn't even let myself be happy for more than five seconds before I kicked happiness over the cognitive horizon. And then I started to you know, do a lot of research and I tried to understand what I was going through. And Sean Acor, who's actually written the book, uh, The Happiness Advantage, he did a talk at Google and he gave a definition for happiness that I absolutely fell in love with. And I think it plays into resilience because he said, you know, uh, we, in our lives, we're, we're brought, we're, we've all been brought up to think that, you know, when I'm successful, then I'll be happy. That this correlation between success and happiness. But what success really is, is just momentary pleasure. As soon as we hit a goal, our brain immediately says, well, I can do better than that, right? If you think if you're in sales, you hit a sales target, what happens? They give you a higher target, right? If you're in business and you make, you know, $100,000 this year, you want to make $200,000 next year. So you, you're always sort of pushing success further and further away. So the, the definition that Sean gave was he said, you know, happiness should be the joy you feel while striving for your full potential every day. And I really like that because as an Ironman, you know, I, I had this, this I, I made success was the day I crossed the finish line. And that year and a half to two years that it takes to get there almost seemed meaningless because success was so far away. And that caused me not to be happy. But when you kind of turn it around and you put it into daily perspective and say, how can I be happy today? Well, I knew that there was a step I had to take today to be better than I was yesterday. And so by doing that, I allowed myself to be happy every single day. And, and then when race day came along, if race day happened to be a disaster, thank goodness it hasn't been so far. But if it happened to be a disaster, you'd go, okay, well, I had 365 really good days and maybe one bad day. That's life. Adversity yeah, that's happens. good. And, 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 it's, and it's like that where often people live in the future, which often where people set goals, people set Ironman targets. And that's great. It's good to have goals. And I'm all for setting goals. But we get so caught up with the goal, which is in the future, and we're living our life in the future. And, and often when you live in the future, it's it's played with anxiety because it's uncertain. Exactly. But if you then and that and that's and by doing that daily thing, you're almost living in the present. And when you live in the present, then you are fully in control of what you do and how you do things and how you feel, because you're in the present and therefore you're you tend to be at peace generally. I'm not saying always. Uh, and then often people go backwards, start to think about the history, which they, they can't change, and uh, they get depressed. And so actually that plays well into that whole mindfulness, being the presence, you know, capturing yourself, going to nature, whatever, however you do it, mindful things will get you in the present. And by being the present, you get those cognitive connections um, with managing your emotions as well. So actually that's really important, actually. I really like that. So how do we bring that in to because we're talking about leaders here how do we sort mm -hmm. of take that and bring it into a organization and make or help people become more resilient on a I guess on a daily basis well so the one thing that I learned to do as an Ironman triathlete and I bring this back to my business life all the time is I learned to do something called periodized training and in assess in, in essence that is simply how do I take 365 days or 12 months 
and break that into daily sessions that are going to help me feel like I'm moving forward every day. And so what I did was I actually created um, a resilience playbook that leadership can use. And what it does, just the way, the same way an Ironman would train their body to be resilient enough to finish that race, um, a resilience playbook is what you use to keep everything that's important to you every day top of mind. And you're training your brain to see opportunity rather than to just be reactionary to adversity when it strikes. The beautiful part about doing this is as a triathlete, what I learned to do was to look at a year, to look at a month and to look at a year and ask myself at the end of every year, reflect on every month and go, what was holding me back? What were my limiters? And what do I need to do to move forward and be better next year? Right? That's, that's what we do as, as triathletes. Now, as a business owner, how often do you sit back with your teams and reflect on the processes that you've been following and ask yourself, what's limiting us? What's holding us back? How are we being agile enough to change when necessary? What mistakes are we making and how are we learning from them? They're not necessarily bad things. I mean, that's how people learn. We learn by doing, by trying. And, but, but it's no good if you don't learn from it. So my resilience playbook that I have keeps um, a bunch of positive mental things top of mind for me every day. But it also, my vision of where I aspire to be in the future is put up front and center. And every day I've got a to-do list. And the to-do list isn't like I've got a meeting at three and I've got this and that. that that's a, a business to-do list. My, my resilience to-do list specifically asks me for five things that I can do today that are going to take me one step closer to realizing that vision that I have for the future, that world that I aspire to create. So every business leader should be able to sit down and go, okay, yep, I've clearly articulated my vision. I've clearly articulated that vision to my the people below me who are also leading my company. And they've been able to clearly articulate that to their direct reports as well. Once everybody has a really clear idea of where the company is going, then all of the individual employees at the company who also have a vision of where they aspire to be in five or 10 mm -hmm. years can start to see where their vision fits in with the company vision. And I think this is really important <clears throat> because when I wrote, sorry, a few years ago, I wrote an article in uh, HR Magazine about the importance of a company vision. And it's not necessarily just the beacon for the company. It's, it's how you engage your employees at work. So mm. think about it. If, if I'm in this, if I, let's say I've just joined your organization um, and I'm aspiring, I aspire to be a manager one day. Maybe that's my aspiration. In five years, I want to be a manager. Well, if my current manager knows that, then together we can go, okay, um, Dave, you want to be a manager in five years, just using round numbers. And, and I'm currently a manager. And, and you know, the vision of the company is that we want to grow exponentially you know, by, by 20% over five years, and we're going to need to hire managers. Okay, so here's what that trajectory is going to look like, because I know you want to be a manager. You've said that. Your vision mm -hmm. is this. Our vision is this. How do we fit these two things together? Now, as an employee, I know there's going to be adversity at work. Uh, I know there's going to be people I don't want to work with that I'm going to have to learn to get along with. There's going to be customers that are going to be really difficult. And rather than let that all build up every day, along with all the other stresses of daily life, just simply clearly having a vision that's aligned with your company vision, aligned with where your manager is trying to help you to get to, mm. that gives context to the daily struggle, right? That gives meaning to you. Don't go, oh, geez, another crappy day at work. You don't do that. You don't dwell on that. You go, okay, I had to go through that because that's part of being a manager. 
And a manager has to learn how to mm. deal with those situations so that when they happen again, I've got a strategy or a playbook to make it easier. Mm. Right. And I think this is the missed opportunity right now with the pandemic is that so many businesses have gone through adversity. So many of their employees are struggling with what's happening in their home life and in their work life. There's a lot of stress that wasn't there a year ago. Mm. And so I ask how many people have a playbook where they're actually writing down every day, am I getting closer to where I want to be? And if not, where do I need to make change? How can I make change? Who do I need to talk to? What skills do I need to develop? If you're not doing that, then you're very reactionary and you will be at the mercy of the universe um, until you start really sitting down and planning out your future and learning how to articulate where do I want to be and what do I need to do to get there and what's the proof that I'm actually moving forward? which plays into my VIP strategy, which I talk to every organization about. Mm. It is the key of every conversation that I have. Just just hold that for a minute. We'll come on to that in a minute. Just, yep. So actually, what by putting, embedding that vision and alignment and that real clarity, vision, purpose, mission, whatever, however people term it, it puts meaning to what you're doing on a day-by-day, doesn't it? That, that's the key thing yep. here because often tasks can see why am I doing this? What's the point of this? It's just a to-do list. And by putting meaning to it, creates energy, motivation, but also knowing for, well, if things don't go as as planned, it's just a journey. I'm just, it might just take a little bit longer than anticipated. We might just have to think about it a different way, but I'm still on this journey. I'm still progressing. And I think that's the important thing. We're still progressing and it, and it keeps that sense of positive mindset that you yeah. are moving forward and it's not, oh, no, it's all gone crazy. And I remember talking to a lot of leaders last year when the pandemic hit, which was obviously a bit of a handbrake on everybody's uh, life and business last year. And I said to them, well, galvanize your teams, get back to your purpose. Uh, things. The only thing that's changed, your purpose probably hasn't really changed, depending on the company, uh, but the how and the timing has just got different. That's all it is. How are you going to go about it and how long it's going to take may have changed. And actually talking that to a lot of leaders, they suddenly went, oh, yeah, and just felt a bit more relaxed, a little bit more sense of actually not so anxious about it. Um, so just moving on to your VIP, just 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 explain a bit more about your VIP sort of strategy. Yeah. So, I've, you know, after I did my third Ironman, I really spent a year trying to reflect on on what the heck had just happened, because, you know, how does how does uh, at this point, you know, a 51 year old man go from being that couch potato weekend warrior, burning the candle at both ends, business person, to all of a sudden looking back and going, over the last 15 years, I haven't missed a single day of exercise. Like, how the heck did that happen? Why did that happen? And and it really begged a lot of questions. And I, I often tell people now, curiosity is the key to resilience. Because so long as you're asking questions and demanding better answers, you're grow- you're growing and you're learning. And you're becoming more resilient because you're becoming more confident and competent in the things mm-hmm. that you're doing every day, regardless of what you're interested in. So if you use curiosity as the basis for developing your resilience, I look back and I thought, okay, from a business standpoint, from an athletic standpoint, what are the common characteristics that every resilient leader that I consider to be resilient, what do they share? Every single one of them has a very crystal clear vision of where they're leading their company or where they're trying to get to as an athlete. It's like, you know, when you think about doing an Ironman, you visualize the finish line. I'm already visualizing at some point crossing a finish line in 2023 in the beautiful mountains of British Columbia, Canada, 
with my son. He might get there before me. I might get there before him. But at some point, I'll be standing across the finish line with a beverage in my hand, either meeting him or he'll be waiting for me. And I, I just I can I can so tangibly feel that moment mm -hmm. that that's the vision that drives why I get up and do what I do every day. I mean, I have other reasons why I exercise as well, but that's the one that drives the most motivation right now. So in order for me to have that become my reality, I know that there's going to be a huge mental battle with myself getting up and doing those workouts every day from now until, you know, August 2023. So I have to start assuming the identity of the type of person that would be able to get to that point. There's a process that I have to follow. Now, if you're in business and you've created a really clear vision for where you want to lead your company to in a year or five years or 10 years, there are processes that you need to follow in order to grow and develop. Mm. The biggest thing that you need to do, though, is you need to have the social proof. So VIP stands for vision, identity, or process, and then proof, social proof that you're actually moving forward. Now, you know, if you th think about this in terms of your bank account, well, you might say to yourself, one day I want to be a millionaire and I have a process for investing that's going to lead me to that destination. But you might be looking at your bank account going, wait a minute, this, this, I I'm not getting there fast enough or I'm not getting there the way I thought I should. Therefore, I must stop, reflect, look at the process, try to understand what's limiting me or holding me back. Is something broken? Should I ask a better question? Should I get a better answer? It's that agile nature of being able mm. to create a hypothesis for yourself. And, you know, one of the things that I think I hear a lot of is when people use excuses because they just I think an excuse is a way to be defensive when you aren't really clear about where it is you're trying to get to. Right. So if I'm not really sure about what my future looks like, if somebody suggests change to me, I'm going to go, well, I can't do that because. And as soon as you say those words, immediately you develop the mindset, well, I can't because. And you're going to convince yourself you can't because that's what you believe to be true. But if you just turn that around and say, how can I? Immediately you open your brain up to problem solving mode. Mm. And like, for example, when I, when I crossed my first Ironman finish line, I said, I, you know, I did it in 14 hours. And I immediately said I need to be able to do that faster. So I didn't say I can't be any faster because I don't have more time to give up to train. I still have to work. I've got a day job and a family. I didn't say I can't. I went, how can I do this? And immediately I started thinking, okay, well, I can't really get that much faster on the swim because really even the fastest swimmers out there are only gaining maybe 20 or 30 minutes in the water. But boy, my bike was eight hours long. I can probably do that in six hours. I can probably do a lot of good development work there and cut two hours off my race time. And yeah, my marathon time was six hours. I can probably bring that down to four. So I started answering my own, you know, solving my own problems by saying, mm. how can I be better at the things that I know I can improve upon that will actually... And having, and having, and having done an Ironman, it's very easy on paper to do that. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, yeah, but it's, it's good easy. to break it down, though. It is good to break that down, those processes. And, that's, and even in right. a business, it's, it's that sort of looking at ways where you can streamline and, and add sort of, um, sort of efficiencies, I guess, isn't it? Right. And so that's where I bring that process back into my business life. And, and, and again, when you've done something like the Ironman hard, you know, you know what hard is. Okay. It's hard is hard. And it, it's, it's when you have that mindset that I've done this really hard thing before, when you face adversity in business, you go, you know, I've, I've had, I've come near bankruptcy in business. I was sabotaged by one of my largest customers back in 2008 um, around the global, well, when we had that last uh, global recession. And uh, I, I didn't realize what was happening. And that's a really good story because, you know, I was stuck. 
And a lot of people who aren't resilient get stuck in a certain place in their life. Mm. As, a, as a small business owner, you know, I had hundreds of thousand dollars of, of inventory sitting on the line and I got stuck and immobilized because I didn't realize what was happening. I didn't pick my head up. I didn't demand. I didn't ask better questions and demand better answers. I just accepted what people were telling me, including one of my buyers at one of my largest customers who internally sabotaged our business because he just didn't want to have any private labels in their stores across the country at that time. And rather than just be honest and tell me that, um, he essentially doubled the price internally to his, his uh, stores who refused to buy the product any longer. And I got stuck with like hundreds of thousands of dollars of sitting in inventory, which which kills your cash flow, which kills a business. So I, I literally had this financial crisis that was looming and um, that led to a health crisis, which this is what I'm fearful for. A lot of people right now with COVID, a lot of small business owners are, are we're, we're hearing these things like, uh, you know, debt relief programs where they can go out and get these loans from the government. Adding more debt to a bad situation does not alleviate stress. Okay. <laughs> and, and it's, I'm very fearful that we're not as small business owners learning how to manage and deal with the stress that COVID has created, not only for ourselves and our companies, but for our employees. So the VIP process really plays into this because if you have a clear vision of where it is you're trying to get to, right, then you need to understand what's the identity that I've got to follow? What are the processes that I have to follow every mm -hmm. single day? And where is my proof that I'm actually moving forward in my career or in the company? And What's my, what's my cadence for reflection? Do I need to check on this daily, weekly, monthly? Mm -hmm. And how agile is my company and are my teams in our process and ability to change, right? Because if the process is broken, we need to change. Yeah, and that's the important thing is, is that accepting change and, and, yeah. and making sure that we – It's all because a lot of companies I, I know I've spoken to spot the things they need to change, but for some reason they get wedded to these um, – ways of working which are not being fruitful and we all, we all get comfortable with things and, and we have to sometimes accept change and, and embrace it and move forward i just want to just before we finish in the sort of last sort of five minutes or so really is um just looking forward now i mean for me i, I always deemed last year was all about resilience and i think now we're, we're moving more into what i would call uh, agility um and i also i talk a lot about this now where i talk about cognitive business cognitive rebuilding um, and based on the sort of post-traumatic growth um, aspects of learning, where you resiliency is all about adaption and, and, and being agile, but also but actual post-traumatic growth, when somebody has a, a real traumatic uh, incidence, whether that's an illness or whatever, they get a transformation. And that transformation comes from cognitive rebuilds in, in mm -hmm. the person. So I've been talking to businesses of saying, what, what is your business cognitive rebuild that's going to cause transformation for you out of this? And that's taking the massive positive, but really stepping forward and going beyond resilience. And it's that thriving, it's that uh, just excelling and being sustainable. So I just like your thoughts on that in terms of going forward. What are, your th what are you thinking for businesses as we sort of come out of the pandemic or continue to press through? Right. So I do a lot of work in the learning industry right now. And for the last five years, I've gone to so many conferences and listened to CLOs sit up on stage and talk about how we need to develop our employees to become lifelong learners. The idea is if you want to remain re relevant in your organization, you have to be constantly learning and constantly growing. You can't rest your laurels on, on what you've learned in the past. You've got to constantly be improving. It's kind of like in, in a hockey analogy, I'm Canadian. So I'll use Wayne Gretzky as a great analogy. 
Wayne Gretzky was great. He was the greatest hockey player they ever played because he was always going to where the puck is going, not to where it's been. And I think as, as employees, it is on us. It's not on our company to make sure that we're learning. Um, yes, it is great when our company gives us the opportunity to go out and learn, to, to provide benefits that allow us to go out and, and further our education. But the onus is on us as people to be lifelong learners, to be curious for a lifetime, to um, look at where our organization might be going. I remember years ago in the automotive industry, um, when they started looking at modularizing uh, components, they, they went from, you know, GM went from, I think, having something like 300 uh, uh, tier one suppliers to uh, five tier one suppliers and everybody else, it was a two and tier two and tier three supplier. They all started building modular units where they would combine, say, 50 parts and, and, and give 50 assembled parts as, as a single unit. And, and what happened was, as an organization, you know, they had to really think about how they were going to change and shift and be agile and where the future was headed. And those suppliers who thought forwardly like that and, and got modular in their thinking, they're the, they're, those are the ones who survived. Everybody else who said, nope, I stamp this product, I, I, make, I make this piece. Those are the ones who lost out. So I think as businesses right now, we really have to think about, you know, where is the world of retail going? Where is e-commerce going? Um, how does bricks and mortars still fit into that? And uh, what is it? What is the landscape going to look like for, for um, the business that you're in and how you can do it more effectively, uh, differently, uh, profitably, uh, you know, environmentally responsibly? Think about all the issues that everybody is concerned about today. And I think one of the, the one of the really great things that came out of the pandemic, honestly, is it gave the world a chance to breathe. Mm -hmm. You know, I think one of the, the the air quality around the world, for example, just improved so dramatically. There was a I remember there was a, a picture that was taken in India uh, from one of the cities. And I, I apologize. I don't know the name of the city. But it, it, it went viral on social media about uh, two months into the pandemic because the air quality in India is so poor. And all of a sudden, you know, one morning, this gentleman walked up onto his rooftop and he could see the Himalayan mountains like they were right there. And he'd never seen them in his entire lifetime because the air quality had been so bad for his entire lifetime. Mm -hmm. He didn't realize how close he was to the hill. Like they were right there. And so I think, you know, when you think about moving into the future, just think about what what. What do we need as a, as a global community to be sustainable? And how do we need to agilely or how do we need to think in an agile way to solve problems, to adjust our businesses, to be able to be nimble enough to, to make those quick changes? I think the day of having the big company with so much bureaucracy and one person making all the decisions uh, and not having autonomy within the company to uh, allow employees to feel empowered to make mm -hmm. change I think that's a really, really archaic strategy. I could be wrong. That's just my opinion. But I think in order for a company to survive in the future, um, that what the internet has done for us, what, what social media has done for us is enlightened us that there's a whole big world out there. Mm. And information isn't secretive anymore. It's, it's very well known. I mean, can you imagine 15 years ago, everybody debating on LinkedIn, their management style? <laughs> and which which leader is going to be the most vulnerable leader? I mean, can you even imagine those conversations happening? And now, now we're doing it in a very public platform and calling people out, you know? Yeah. So <laughs> it's the world's changed.
right? It you is. can't hide and, anymore. And and it's in some ways you talk about that the world sort of catching some breath last year. I think also individuals took an opportunity to reflect. Uh, and I know people have some struggle with it, but but also to put a pause on life a little bit. And and I'm hoping, you know, the, the reset that is a genuine reset. And I say a genuine reset for more transformation and, and whatever that may be individually, uh, communities and also within businesses. Um, I've really enjoyed talking to you today. Uh, today, uh, brilliant. Um, I, we could probably carry on talk a few more hours of this. I think on LinkedIn Live you can go on for many hours on this. But um, uh, for the podcast's sake, I will uh, bring it to a close. Uh, so, um, how can people get in touch with you if they want to sort of have you as a keynote speaker or, or some sort of resilience coach in their organisation? Yeah, so the best way to get a hold of me is uh, through LinkedIn. Um, look me up on LinkedIn or go to my speaker website, davebazanko.com. Uh, but reach out by email, give me a call. Um, I'm always happy to talk about uh, what we can do to help your organization not only just survive, but thrive. That That is really the legacy piece that I'm trying to leave behind. And, um, you know, Hopefully, I think everybody that hears my stories, they, they usually pull me aside for about four hours and just want to hear more stories after the after the, the keynotes are done. So I think that's a good thing that, that, that people are genuinely interested um, in, in, in sharing and, and sharing their experiences and, and having me share mine. So thank you for this experience, Julian. It's been fantastic. And, and hopefully we can do it again soon one day. Brilliant. I appreciate your time today. Thank you for coming on. If you like this episode, then please do subscribe. Do share with your friends and do check out other episodes in the series. If you're looking for support and help in your organization to create a resilient culture, then please do get in contact with me on julianrobertsconsulting.com. Thank you.